Welcome to the Your Destiny Podcast. We've got the wonderful Mrs. Britton, backed up by Mr. Britton and all that goodness. <laughs> so ladies and gents, please give it up for Andy It's so lovely to be here. We don't think it's on, but it doesn't matter. It does matter. So see there where it says mute? Yeah. See there where it says on? (laughs) (sighs) Oh, it's so lovely to be here and see you all again. We've missed you so much. Ah, it's wonderful. Is there anybody that doesn't know our grand piano story? You all know it. I'm going to listen again. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you want to listen again? (laughs) Okay, well, in that case, I'll tell you. (laughs) For our 36th wedding anniversary, this is last September. Um, Yeah, 36 years. Hooray. 36 more at least to go. Um, And... I was driving along in the car, and I'm saying, I don't know that you do this in a car, I speak to God (laughs) in the car. So I'm going, oh, Dad, what could I get Andy for our anniversary? And I'm just sort of going along with that, and then suddenly I get an idea. And I go, oh, wouldn't it be great to get a baby grand piano? Because that's the kind of thing Andy's wanted a baby grand piano for a long time. So I start giggling. Um... So I'm giggling quite a bit. Oh, it would be such fun, wouldn't it, Daddy, to get a baby grand piano for our 36th wedding anniversary for Andy. Um, And then I go, oh, you could just give me one, couldn't you? And I'm laughing even more, right? So we're having great fun, me and Dad, on our way to the shops. And um, then about two days later, we get a phone call from Tom, Alan's son, Tom. And uh, he phones Andy and he says, Andy, I've got, I've had a, a phone call from my ex place of work and they want to get rid of a baby grand piano. You don't know anybody that wants one, do you? So Andy says, because um, he wasn't in on this conversation, it was a surprise for him. <laughs> so Andy says, well, I'm not sure, Tom, I'd better get back to you, because obviously they're quite big, so he's not, he needs to ask me if it's all right to bring a baby grand piano into our house. Um, and Rebecca, of course. <laughs> so uh, he says to me later on, I had a phone call from Tom about a baby grand piano. Now, Jibs, bear in mind, this piano has been used as a prop. It's not been used as a piano. Um, so he's saying... I, you know, I didn't know what to say, really. Is there anybody we know that needs a baby grand piano? And I go, just get it. Just say yes, just say yes. <laughs> because it was so ridiculously out of the... So ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? For someone to offer you a baby grand piano for free, just to be picked up from this place of Tom's ex, place of work. Um, so we go and we get the piano. You know, after much... Because he did go and look at it first, and it only had two legs... Um, and it was upside down, so you couldn't really play it and all that kind of thing. Um, but we just felt, no, knowing what God had 
done, you know, in, in having that phone call, it was too ridiculous for it not to be okay. So we have to pay out some money for it to be moved. And then um, it comes to our house, and it's a few weeks before Christmas, and our dream would be just to have the piano there at Christmas so that we could play Christmas carols and all that with our family there, play Christmas songs. So Andy rings up this man who's a piano tuner who says, oh, no, I'm too busy, you know, got far too much on. I could do it in, was it six months, he said? Three months. Could do it in three months' time. Um, anyway, then his brother rings and says, oh, I'm a piano tuner. I could do it before Christmas, if you like. And he came, he took the thing apart, he put it back together... And it plays lovely. And he said, just to let you know, he said, now I've done all this, it's probably worth uh, over a £1,000, was it, Andy? Over a £1,000. For nothing. <laughs> the piano. The piano. Yeah. <laughs> so we are... And then uh, the young people as well took a, an offering, didn't you, for us to fix it up, which is so sweet, isn't it? So uh, we're getting it a bit fixed up too. God is so very good. I want to tell you something else that happened last week. So I'm just, you know, just following on from Alan really and his supernatural stories. Last week, I was in Bulgaria uh, visiting, where's Joseph gone? There he is. His wonderful mummy and daddy. (laughs) And I don't know whether you know, Alan, did you mention Bulgaria last night? Okay. Because um, I'd been there a few months ago and really felt God say, he was like giving us Bulgaria as our territory and we were going to see amazing change. Um, And that it would no longer be the poorest place in Europe. Um, It would be the head and not the tail. That um, uh, that the sense of hopelessness was going to come off them. and a couple of other things. So, so we've been really... Oh, the, the corruption, because the, the place had been so corrupt, the government so corrupt, um, and the mayor of Vidin had actually been ousted because of his corruption, which was a miracle to start with, because it's been going on for many, many, many years. And the communist mindset, that was the other thing, would come to an end. Um, so me and Joe went, and we were just there to pray because the elections were last weekend and then finishing this, this weekend, tomorrow. Um, and we were just walking the streets, praying, and just having a fabulous time. And God kept showing us little signs. So it's right in the middle, you know, at the side of the road. There's this massive puddle in a heart shape around a grid. So water hasn't gone down the grid. It's just all curved around the grid, making this massive heart shape. So we're getting very drunk looking at this heart and how God loves Bulgaria, etc., etc. And then we're walking, we're just finishing, walking along the road, and they're daubed in English. And you don't see English in Bulgaria. People don't read English. It says, love is the answer. And you know, when you know you've been sent by God to to do what feels like some pretty major things, (laughs) changing a communist mindset that's been there for, you know, rather a long time. Um, you know, seeing it become, Vidin not be the poorest place in Europe anymore. It's, it's massive things God's laying on your heart. And so it can, be, it can seem stupid. But like when he's just showing you step by step. So this love is the answer. So we read this, well, I can hardly walk down the rest of the road. And towards us is coming this really elderly lady. And she doesn't seem to have much wrong with her legs, but she was using a walking stick. So I'm just walking along with Joe. Oh, can't stand up. Um, 
In fact, I will practice this stand up. <sighs> so I'm just walking along with Jet Walkfoot in my pocket. It's too fat. Timo's phone's too fat. Um, oh, so I'm walking along and um, <laughs> this old lady's coming towards us and I can't think. So I'm just like walking to, I feel a bit like I feel at the moment where you can't quite think, can you, when you just feel a bit, <sighs> with Jesus. Huh. And I just go up to her and I go in my best Bulgarian, Strave. And then see, all I know in Bulgarian is love words. I don't know anything else. So I'm, I'm like, oh, Krasiva. That means she's beautiful, you know. And I'm saying I love you and things like that, all in Bulgarian. Um, and Vanya comes, because she, she'd come marching off and she, she comes running back to see what's going on. Um, and it turns out this lady's 82 and she's just lost her husband. And there I am, kissing her, kissing her hands. You don't do this in Bulgaria, really, do you, Joseph? Not to strangers in the street. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe not anywhere now. <laughs> But, you know, ah, do you know what? Love is the answer. It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what language you speak. (sighs) Love is the answer. And love always wins. And it wins every time. Ah! Awesome. Um, So, just remember that. You're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Um, I want to tell you about something that I've been, I've been speaking everywhere. I was speaking in Bulgaria. I've been speaking it, you know, to, to people, to all my friends. And I'm probably driving you all mad. <laughs> so I'm really sorry for you that have heard it a load. But, um, and it's just this, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. But yes, yeah, so I felt God say that to tell you. And I'm going, well, you know, this is all I'm talking about. And I felt he said, I want you to shout it from the rooftops. So here you go. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the thing is, you see, we think, well, we know we need joy. But it's not actually that I have to find it in me. It's the joy of the Lord. His joy. That's my strength. Now, I don't know if you know, but this is in Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, and it's Nehemiah says it to the people. So if you, I just want to give you a bit of the story because it's relevant, all right? So I don't know how much you know of it, but Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king, which I think means that he had to taste the wine, and if he died, then it was poisoned, um, so that the king didn't get poisoned. Is that right? Something like that, okay. Pretty good job, eh? (laughs) How much do you think that's worth being paid for? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, this is his job. But he's heard some news about his beloved city of Jerusalem, which is where he's from. 
And it says that Jerusalem was broken down. The walls were broken down. And it was in a state. And it was being, um, you know, enemies were taking stuff from Jerusalem. It had been just absolutely wrecked. (laughs) Um, And nothing was happening for these walls to be built up again. So Nehemiah was feeling this. Great, great sadness. So he walks into the presence of the king and you're not supposed to be sad in the presence of the king. But he can't smile. And the king says to him, what's the matter? You're always looking great. You know, he was looking happy. What's happened? And he says to him, you know, I've had this news that my city is broken down. Um, And then... The king says, well, go, I'm going to let you go. And then to go and help them, you can be governor there. And I think he says for 12 years, something like this. And then um, the king, then Nehemiah says, well, I haven't got anything to make it right again with. And the king says, well, I'm going to give it you. And he gives him what he asks for to make, to build up this, uh, these walls. So Nehemiah goes. And then there's a load of opposition there's a load of people coming and like, yeah, 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 you're not going to be able to do that, blah, blah, blah. And how stupid you are, trying. A load of negative, horrible accusation and opposition. But he says to the people, we're going to keep on building. And they strap a sword to their side and they, they're working with the, you know, the swords on the side. And it actually only takes 52 days to build and that is so astounding that even the people that have been like, um, you know, saying that you can't do it, etc., are so overwhelmed that they're realizing God must be with them. It says that. So awesome, isn't it? Um, and then they decide they're all, they've built the walls, but everything else is still a mess inside. But they decide they're going to get together and read the law. And somebody gets up, I think it's Ezra, the scribe, and he starts to read the law. And as he's reading, the people realise what a mess they've made. They realise that there is so much they haven't done they're supposed to do. And they are overcome with grief. And they're crying, they're wailing. And then Nehemiah says to them, Don't, don't cry. Because it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. And it was just as I was lying in bed a couple of weeks ago, and I was listening to Godfrey, who you'll know is one of my favourite worship leaders. And it was as this song came up, the joy of the Lord is your strength, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, And it just seemed to hit me again like a ton of bricks. That it wasn't my joy, but it was his joy. And what is his joy? Sorry, sir. Let's say that again. It is us. It is us. The joy that was set before him. Yeah. That's it. That's it, Sarah. (laughs) The joy that was set before him is us. And it's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
Oh. Wow. Oh. Jesus was so besotted with you and his that he was going to have this incredible relationship with you restored (laughs) that he ran to the cross with joy he suffered all that you know the crowns on his the thorns on his head the beatings and everything for the joy set before him because of you because he was bringing back our original original plan um he was going to have that relationship absolutely restored, of one-to-one, with no, no, uh, nothing in between. It's just amazing, isn't it? You are his joy. And the thing is, he wants us to see ourselves as his joy. We need to sort of think, it, if it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength, we need to be looking with his eyes at who we are and seeing our beauty. Seeing our amazingness, because that's what gives us strength. And you know, we've had quite a hard few months, because my dad got diagnosed with cancer, so I'm taking him for chemotherapy every three weeks. Um, And that's been, it's, it's a bit of a hard time. We've had a lot of change going on with church, so that's been, for me, that's been a bit of a hard difficult thing like with Timo and how we're going to you know move forward not just that church structure all sorts of things um my uh, son and daughter-in-law lost a baby you know there's just been there's been so many like things that could get me down I could be feeling like the walls are broken down a bit I could be you know feeling like, we well, you know what's happening with my family, church family, home family. <laughs> what's happening? But you know what is my strength? Is thinking about how he sees me. That I am his joy. And you know what? The joy that I'm experiencing every day by just making my mind, choosing to just believe what he says, that he sees me beautiful. That's why I wanted to tell you about that woman because I kept saying to her, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And the thing is, you know what? When you see it about yourself, every time you look at somebody, whether they're a hundred or the two, they're beautiful. Because you start seeing everybody the way you see you. And it just, it changes everything. I just want to read you uh, Romans chapter 4 in this I don't know whether you've got the Passion Translation of Romans. It's a new one that's out. It's absolutely fabulous. And you know what? I'm I'm reading it thinking, this sounds like Winnie Banoff. You know, the more I read it. So I said to her when she was here on Sunday, I said, have you you seen that Romans chapter, that Romans of the Passion Translation? She said, oh yes, she said. Um, Brian Simmons asked to meet me and, and Georgian because he felt we had the best take on Romans that he could think of in the whole world. So he came and spent weeks with us before he wrote it. I thought, no wonder it felt like I was listening to her when I'm reading this book. Ah, this Bible. Romans chapter 4, verse 6 says, 
that King David himself speaks to us regarding the complete wholeness that comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of righteousness is heard over our life. The complete wholeness comes over you in the declaration of righteousness. You know, when I remind myself, actually, I'm righteous. I'm saying in that, I am completely whole. I don't lack anything. There's nothing missing, like Alan was saying this morning. Way, I'm completely whole. I'm completely whole. There's no broken down walls. I'm completely whole. The situations might be difficult, but there's no lack. There's nothing that I am not that isn't at my fingertips, um, or in my fingertips, <laughs> not at my fingertips. Ah, oh, the fullness of God is in me. Um, in Romans 8, it says, he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Whoa, you're like his son, you're like Jesus. It says, those who, this is verse 30, those who carry his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. That's what he's saying about you. You, you are co-glorified with Jesus. <sighs> this is what we, this is our strength. Those thoughts are our strength. Those beliefs are our strength. And I feel like I'm swimming in it and just swimming deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And I tell you what, I'm just going to finish with this. Um, oh, this is another one he's done, Song of Songs. I've had this a while, so you might have heard me talk quite a bit about this. But chapter 4 in the Song of Songs says this. Now this is, this is Jesus speaking to us. Okay, now remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Just listen to this, in a sense, thinking this is how excited he is about you. This is what he thinks about you. And when you can believe it, it's your strength. And it's not like you have to try to believe it. Just keep saying, just keep speaking it out. This is what I'm doing, just speaking it out. I'm righteous. I'm completely whole. There's no lack in me. And then listen to this. For you, This is Jesus speaking to you. Shut your eyes and just listen to this a second. For you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I'm undone by your love. My beloved one. My equal, my bride, my beloved one, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshipping eyes. And you've stolen my heart. I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness upon you. This is how he sees you, right? He sees you totally righteous. You're taking his breath away. Whenever you turn towards him in worship, you leave him breathless. And he goes on to say, I'm held hostage by your love, by the graces of righteousness upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. You are totally satisfying to Jesus, totally satisfying. Can you imagine this? He says to you, my equal. When you can start thinking like this, you are seeing his joy over you. And that's your strength. That's what keeps us in this place of strength, of 
deep intimacy of hope, no matter how broken down the walls seem, no matter how much we feel we've let him down, where he, the things he might be asking us to do, all that stuff they were going through. It's the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because Jesus did it for you. He paid the price for you. He put you right with him. Absolutely right with him. You don't lack anything, like Alan was saying. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. It's your strength in the hardest times. It's the thing that pulls you through, no matter what you're going through. His joy is you. See yourself in the eyes of Jesus. See your reflection in his eyes. He's besotted with you. He says you're his equal. Thank you for listening to the I Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.